Wait, 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 wait. Don't skip ahead just yet. I know you were about to. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, then you'll love mine too. If you like podcasts that break down all of your favorite water cooler reality TV shows like The Real Housewives or big budget movies like Wakanda Forever, then this is the podcast for you. Subscribe to my podcast, Reality and Comics 2, and listen to episodes like my interview with Robin Dixon of The Real Housewives of Potomac or my interviews with your favorite bombshells from Love Island, USA. That's Reality and Comics 2. And I'm Kendrick. See you there. You're invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And today we are here to cover Forever by Judy Bloom. I loved it. Well, first, let me say, if you are tuning in and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Forever by Judy Bloom is a book, <laughs> not a movie. I suggest that you go back to our previous episode because, yes, we're covering books for right now. Yeah, we talked about it more in detail last week, but in solidarity of the writers and sag after strike, we will not be covering scripted television or movies. So the library is where we're at until further notice. Yeah, and it's not forever. It's just during the strike. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, spoiler alert. This wasn't forever either. But <laughs> So this book came out in 1975. Mm. And there are parts of this book where the 70s really just jump out and bite you. I didn't pick up on it too much. The biggest glaring thing for me was the patchwork jeans with fucking mushrooms embroidered on them for like a first date outfit. She was excited to get these jeans. Mushrooms. I will be pointing out some of the 70s-ness that jumped out at me in our what age well Mm. and what age like borders section. Now, typically when we recap about movies, this is the portion where we're like, this week in history, this is what was happening. (laughs) This is a nostalgia podcast, but it's a nostalgia podcast for us (laughs) and not for my parents. So instead of talking about this week in history in 1975, I'm going to segue into my favorite topic of this show, me. (laughs) So here's what I was up to the first time that I got my hands on Forever. Mm. I think many people, like myself, consider this book to be kind of their foray into sex. Mm. I read this book in band class (laughs) in seventh grade. I played percussion, so I was in the very back with all the drums and the (laughs) bells and the, as I'm now told it's pronounced, xylophone and I used to just be able to sit down in the back and my band teacher would kind of lose track of me because I wasn't very good and so I just kind of flew under the radar so instead of playing my musical instrument I would just sit down and I would just read about Ralph and that little growing penis wow he didn't care that no music was coming from your end well I wasn't the only percussion player Mm, I never actually played the instrument. I would play the bells, which is, you know, the little xylophone adjacent thing, but I would just mime it and I wouldn't actually ever learn the music. I would just move my mallets and pretend I was playing. And then I was the only girl in the section and all the boys would play like the bass drum, the snare drum, the cymbals, like all the things you can really hear in the ensemble of a band. And I would just be like, pretending no you just had a bad teacher because i can be watching a broadway show 50 people on the stage and i will know if someone's not singing i can just tell so if you would have been hidden in that back corner with a little ding 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 hitting nothing i would have said chelsea well 
I think that, and I'm just guessing, but I think that the level of talent and expectation for <laughs> a Broadway production might be a little bit different than beginner's band class. No, but you're doing it for you know? a grade. I would have made sure you worked for well, it. Well, that's the thing. I did work for it. Oh, Every time true. it came time for my like solo meeting with my teacher, I would just cry and be like, I promise I'm going to start to practice. And he would just scooch me along, give me that C, get me out of there. Wow. That's public education for there you. There it is. Now, none of that happened for me. I did not read forever. I never even heard of it. So you started talking about it on this podcast. Every single Because week. you're a pervert. Yeah. But the only book I think I read by Judy Bloom was Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret? Because she didn't write those mouse books, did she? Not if you give a mouse a cookie, the other one. Like Mouse on a Motorcycle? <laughs> no, she didn't. What she the couldn't fuck have. are you talking about? You don't know Mouse on a Motorcycle? Stuart Little? No, it's called Mouse on a Motorcycle. Is it about penises? What to you says Judy Blue? Oh, Mouse on the Motorcycle is Beverly Cleary, which is similar. What's this lady's name? Judy Bloom What's Beverly Cleary. What's this lady's name? <laughs> what the fuck? I was a little boy at this point. I had not realized <laughs> I was... <laughs> I hadn't realized I was gay. So like, yes, I played with Happy Meal toys at recess and pretended it was like the ice capades. Yes, I played with Barbies. Yes, I was in choir. But the books I was reading were still boy books. That makes sense. And I will say, I think that this book was much more informative for women who planned on having sex with men one day than Mm -hmm. for boys, (laughs) despite what gender they were one day going to have sex with because for me it was an introduction to like this is what happens when you touch a penis this is Mm. what a penis could look like whereas for you as you famously said you could be touching your penis right now hand check please thank you (laughs) and you could explore your ralph of your own true some things and this is not about sex but some things are just meant only for women it doesn't matter how gay you are gilmore girls is not to be liked by a man You heard it here first. (laughs) Let's talk about this experience of reading a book versus watching a movie because cuties, bear with us. We're going to find our groove just like Stella (laughs) eventually did. It's just going to be a little bit of growing pains. It's going to be figuring out our new flow. But what was it like for you to read a book this week? Well, as you know, I'm self-diagnosed ADHD. My therapist won't tell me that, but I say it every week. (laughs) She told me this week I'm not a sociopath. Congratulations. And also we have some questions. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Reading a book is hard for me and I don't know when it started. I didn't used to be like this, but when I am reading, if I get bored, if my eyes start to glaze over, I just skip a few pages. So if I'm reading for fun, that's fine. But if I'm reading for a podcast... Is it fine to just skip a few pages? I think so, yeah. And then I just fill in the blanks. I'm like, how did she die? Oh, she must have died on that page. Like that. Right. And I've also recorded with you about Seventh Heaven, where you're speculating about potential vampires, (laughs) gang behavior from Annie Camden. So I can only imagine what your mind fills in. Well, no, but that's where there's no end point. Like when I'm watching Seventh Heaven, we're not at the finish line yet. But when I'm skipping pages reading... I'm already at point C from point A. I just need to fill in point B. Whereas Seventh Heaven, I'm at point A trying to fill in B and C. You understand? 
No. This is insane <laughs> behavior. No, it's not. I, like, glaze over often. Like, if I'm watching something that's too long, if I'm watching the news, if I'm watching any documentary of any kind, if I'm having a conversation that I can't contribute to too much. Like, if I was with you and your high school friends and you were all talking about things I don't know, even if they're juicy stories, once I feel like I can't contribute anything, I'll glaze over. And in those situations, watching a documentary, being a part of a conversation, that's fine because then I just close my eyes until they're ready to open up again like a doll and I can speak but reading a book you can't just do that like if I am like oh I'm bored I put it down when I pick it back up it's still the boring spot so (laughs) I can't do that so I need to skip ahead until I'm not bored anymore I don't love that I kind of wish that had been part of our discussion last week when we were discussing what we're gonna be well I didn't do it for this book however I will say I'm reading this on a Kindle and it told me from the beginning this book will take two hours and 10 minutes to read. Next week, spoiler alert, we're reading Goosebumps and it told me it'll take an hour and seven minutes. Mm. I think this is the longest book we can cover on this podcast. Two hours, 10 minutes is all I can put in for a book. I think for now, I think that reading is a muscle And I know that they tell you, like, you never forget how to ride a bike. And that's true to an extent. But if you haven't ridden a bike for 10 years, you don't want your Mm. first bike ride to be down a mountain. You want it to be, like, in a parking lot somewhere. Okay. Maybe with training wheels. (laughs) But I do think that as we do it more, we will grow that muscle and it will become easier and easier to read. Okay, true. I do read for fun. I want to let people know. Like, at the beach, I love to read. But... I don't do it correctly, and I will skip ahead a few pages. So I think reading for a podcast is going to be retraining myself. Well, that was what was tough for me because I love to read, and it's part of my hyper-focus. So when I was younger, I would sneak books into the shower because my parents had to limit my reading time because if I started a book, I would want to keep reading until Mm. I finished, and it would like get in the way of like, Chelsea, it's time for dinner. Chelsea, it's time for soccer practice. Chelsea, it's time to go to sleep. So I would pretend to take a shower and then just read a book in the (laughs) shower. So all of my childhood books are like warped from water. Why I didn't like just run the water and sit outside of it. No, I committed to the craft. I was in the (laughs) shower reading. And so it was really fun for me this week to read the book. But I think there is an element of reading for the podcast does feel like being in school a little bit in terms of taking notes and really paying attention. And so I think I need to kind of get over that mental hurdle and figure out a way for me to take notes while it not feel like school because it was really fun for me this week, but I can see if we do do this long term, I don't want to start feeling like, oh shit, this assignment's due. Yes. Also, one more insane behavior about reading, but I'm not talking about it this episode. I'm just going to drop it like a bomb so that you can follow up next week. When I was in like elementary school, middle school, and I was at the bookstore, I used to read the last chapter first to see if I liked the way it ended. And if it did, then I would buy it. Moving on. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Well, my face is bright red, partially because I'm just horrified by my choice in podcast partner, but also because 
my AC is out, <laughs> I'm sweating, I'm hot. So if you want to treat me like a Sarah McLaughlin dog on a commercial, <laughs> if you want to support me for just $5 a month, you can save me from home ownership hell. Are you getting deja vu? Do you feel like I've made this joke before? Why, yes, yes I have, because home ownership is an MLM scheme that boomers told us <laughs> was something that we should aspire to. And I've had this conversation before, last time my furnace and AC went out. So <laughs> if you want to support me $5 a month, please go to <laughs> patreon.com slash I am the cute one to see uncut and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. Wonderful. So do you have any background info and trivia for us today? How is this going to work? Delight I us. do. I do. Okay. So between 1990 to 1999, this book was the seventh most banned book in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Then from 2000 to 2009, it dropped a little bit and it was on average the 16th. But in 2005, it was the second most banned book in the United States. Only oh. behind It's Perfectly Normal, Changing Bodies, Growing Up, Sex, and Sexual Health. Wild. I know. Sick, actually. Mm -hmm. In November 2022, which was not even a year ago, it was announced that Netflix would make a limited series of the book, except Black, and it would be produced by Mara Brock Akil, who was the creator of Girlfriends and Being Mary Jane, starring Gabrielle Union. And also, she was a writer on Moesha. Wow. Yeah. There is like a cheesiness of this book that feels very much like it would have to be the same vibe as like Pretty Little Liars mm. instead of like Gossip Girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't really see Michael and Catherine hanging out with Blake Lively. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. It's interesting because I feel like typically Judy Bloom writes from the perspective of like a middle school girl. And mm -hmm. Catherine to me felt very much like that. Like I kept having to remind myself that she was a senior because her inner voice seemed so childlike, Agreed. which I guess is part of the point. But I kept having to be like, oh, no, she's about to turn 18. Yeah. And I have been not that age for as long as it took me to be that age so like I'm very far removed from 16 17 year olds however like even Michael there was nothing sexy about him <laughs> well certainly not <laughs> yeah but like I think Catherine thought there was and I was like no baby I just don't understand seventh grade <laughs> me thought there was oh no and now I look back and I'm like Red flag, red flag, red flag, run, <laughs> run, run. Truly. So before I read the back of the book, I want to know what character, if any, do you identify as in this book? I think 100% Artie. There <laughs> is no suicide attempt, spoiler alert, but he is the star of the school play. He has a car full of board games just in case, and he's possibly queer. So those three <laughs> things... Ding, ding, ding. I am, and I think, again, it just speaks to my age rereading this. I really did resonate with Catherine's mom, mm -hmm. who is trying so hard to, like, give her daughter the space to learn from her mistakes and feel her feelings and experience life for herself. But you know that Catherine's mom and dad were in their rooms being like, this fucking douchebag <laughs> i cannot believe my daughter is dating this asshole yeah and for very good reason so the back <laughs> of the book 
<clears throat> Catherine and Michael are in love, and Catherine knows it's forever, especially after she loses her virginity to him. But when they're separated for the summer, she begins to have feelings for another boy. What does this say about her feelings for Michael? And what does forever mean anyway? Is this the love of a lifetime or the very beginning of a lifetime of love? The back of this book gives a little too much away. A hundred percent. The stuff with the other boy doesn't even happen until the last 25 pages. Right. <laughs> I feel like it should be like, she loses her virginity. Yeah. It's them against the world. What will happen? Possibly has the class. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's jump right in, shall we? Perfect. Let's. So it's New Year's Eve and our protagonist, Catherine, and her friend Erica are bringing in the new year at Erica's fat-ass, slutty cousin <laughs> Sybil's house. Now, this might seem like a really harsh way to describe <laughs> Sybil and to begin the episode, but let's just like rip the band-aid off right now, and I'll address the elephant in the room, Sybil, who is as big as an elephant, apparently. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to get into this more when we get to our what ages like borders segment but i want to know like what did sybil ever do to judy bloom to deserve this <laughs> in a book that's full of characters that are multifaceted and complicated sybil is literally either used as a punchline or a cautionary tale and sometimes both at the same mm. time and it's <laughs> truly wild because it's like any time sybil came up i braced myself and I felt fucked up but I would laugh because it would literally be like this happened this happened this happened and Sybil's over in the corner being a fat slut it's like Jesus Christ Judy yeah I know nothing about her personality I just know she's a fat slut <laughs> but like is she a bitch in my head she's a bitch but I don't even think she speaks no she's not a bitch at all <laughs> there is at no point does she act rude unkind does she backstab she seems to be quite loyal and delightful and judy bloom is just like i'm gonna drag this poor high school student <laughs> for no reason i loved her anywho at fatty fatty two by fours party <laughs> fondue is served high schoolers make out and Catherine meets michael okay i don't want to talk about michael yet so i'm gonna pop off on two things you said in that <laughs> sentence one i'm obsessed with fondue uh -huh. people always tell me you can take the boy out of the suburbs but you can't take the suburbs out of the boy i do live in new york but like i love applebee's love olive garden <laughs> love pizza and love the melting pot but they closed the melting pot in jersey city so now i have no melting pot to go to there's a melting pot literally 15 minutes from my house and <gasps> I love it. We will go together when you come okay. to town and stay with me because the melting pot was like our fancy restaurant that we would go to like before proms and stuff. Mm. Just get a big vat of cheese, stick some yeah. bread in it, get ready for a night of dancing and toots. You know? <laughs> the best things. Also, <laughs> I maybe am a prude or maybe I'm too old for this or whatever, but there are so many people just having sex and making out while their parents are in the house in this book. And I never. What? While my parents were home, never. Well, it was kind of like you had to if you were trying to get it in in high school until people started driving and you could like do it in the back of somebody's car. Yeah, but everybody here drives. There's someone in a portable game store shop or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> true. I used to be in the basement with my high school boyfriend and my parents would make me keep the door open like at the top of the stairs to go down to the basement. And then my mom would 
throw the tennis ball down the stairs and my dog would go like running down. <laughs> and that was her way of being like, I'm about to come down, which was a nice gesture for her. Yeah. But you've got to imagine that like as much as I didn't want my mom to walk in on me giving like a braces filled blowy, <laughs> she didn't want to see that either. That's you know? very true. And I think that an open basement door would have gone a long way. But like people were literally having sex on bearskin rugs in front of fireplaces. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? But maybe that was the 70s. Oh, perhaps. You know, like our parents were the Catherines and the Michaels. Mm. So when they had kids, they were like, okay, Bailey's <laughs> coming down to fetch this ball. That makes sense, yeah. And even if it's not right, we'll just chalk it up to that. Yeah, I mean, facts haven't stopped us in the past. <laughs> and they won't now. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. So Michael has golden retriever hair, (laughs) a mole on his cheek, glasses, and an Audi belly button. Donnie, would you fuck him? You warned me of this question ahead of time, and I'm glad you did, because I made a list of all of his features and personality traits and made yes or no. So, golden retriever hair, absolutely not. I'd rather kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another Artie. Artie, yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you told me to fuck someone with golden retriever hair, just so everyone knows, golden retrievers have 
Red. Oh, God. <laughs> he is tall, so that's a yes. He broke his nose multiple times, so that is as many times as he broke his nose, it's that many yeses. Oh, no. Check, check, check. Three yeses. He does grab her by the wrist on their first outing, so that is also a yes. <gasps> because <laughs> I... <laughs> I feel like that is just a skip away from calling me a faggot. (laughs) Now, I do understand a boy and girl relationship is different than a boy and boy. So, like, watching him do it to her, I didn't like it. But imagining a boy doing that to me got my Ralph a little tingly. Glasses? No. Don't even think about it. Mole? Forget about it. Horse rider is probably the worst offense. (laughs) Plus, that is all things that are, like, listed in his descriptive paragraph. But he is also possibly the corniest person I've ever met. So corny. I hate him. I hate him so much. (laughs) I hate him so much. There are so many instances in this book where Michael is a low-key, high-key, huge piece of shit. One of which being Mm -hmm. something that apparently gets your Ralph off. But (laughs) let's start at the beginning, shall we? So despite spending the previous night, New Year's Eve, making out with another girl in front of Catherine, Michael finds an excuse to return to the scene of the fondue crime the next morning to kidnap Catherine and make her (laughs) take a hike outdoors in January. If you liked her so much, then you should have been putting the moves on her last night instead of just sticking your tongue down somebody else's throat. That's true. Even if he wasn't connected to that girl from the night before, he still should take like a breather. Right. This is a January 7th follow-up, I think. So on this hike, he does tell Catherine that she isn't horsey. Horse (laughs) girls get a really bad rep, but I'm here to defend the horse girls. I myself am not a horse girl, but horse girls get shit done. If you don't have a horse girl on a bachelorette trip, you will not be booking an Airbnb in time. If you do not have a horse girl in your friend group, you are not making brunch plans. You are not getting anything organizationally done because they have that can-do attitude. And yes, Donnie, this is me telling you, you are a horse girl. I am not a horse girl. First of all, they stink. (laughs) Not the girls, the horses. I'm not calling you a horse. I'm calling you a horse girl. I know, but I'm saying, this is why I don't like horses, but I didn't want horse girls to think I'm saying they stink. Horses stink. You can't ride them indoors, which means you have to be outdoors. And I hate being outdoors unless it's a pool. It hurts your thighs. You're talking about girls who like horses. I'm saying horse girls is a state of being. It's a spirituality. It is an essence. And you are a horse girl. (laughs) Horse girls are the type of people that they have an obsession and they will not let it go. That's just a theater kid too. Well, theater kids and horse girls, there is a Venn diagram and there is a very large center circle. Horse girls are the ones that are like ride or die. Oh, you and your boyfriend just broke up. I'm planning brunch. I'm getting mimosas. I am there for you the way I would be for my Disagree. Now, there's a butchness to a horse girl that I just do not have. <laughs> you have to wear pants, you have to wear boots, and you always have to have your legs spread. And you have a problem with that last one? <laughs> Sybil. <laughs> I guess that horsey comment was a real turn on to Catherine because soon they have their first date in Catherine's den. Where are the parents? No one knows. I guess, again, it's the 70s. Groovy, baby. And... <laughs> Once in the den, Michael tries to feel her up, asks if she's a virgin, and finally settles for making out on a rug with a giant lion head on it. What a gentleman. 
And also, what an insane house. <laughs> Everyone's decor in this book is a little bonkers. And that could be the 70s, but reading it now was jarring. There's some book series, I don't know if it's Babysitter's Club, maybe Nancy Drew, I don't know, but someone who like wrote books a long time ago, they're rewriting them now where it's still like exactly the same plot, but they're just modernizing like technology and like decorations and stuff so that new audiences can get into it. We have talked about this specifically and it was I think I know what you did last summer we've had this conversation I'm having deja vu I mean this is just an example of listeners (laughs) when you dm us and you're like you guys have told this story before and both of us are reacting as if we've never heard it before that's not a bit we truly will have like back to back the same (laughs) conversation that we've had in previous episodes and we're both experiencing it for the first time. I do think it's, I know what you did last summer. Now that you say that, I think you're correct. Someone messaged (laughs) me last week and said, remember when you hosted that game in the spring, you and Chelsea? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was when we hosted Nostalgic Trivia, (laughs) but she really had to (laughs) give me details. Sometimes I wonder, like, I know my (laughs) furnace and AC is out, but I'm like, do I have a gas leak? Is there a reason I'm so fucking stupid? Because there have been people who have messaged me and have been like, you and Donnie have told each other these very same three stories you told on this episode before. In that order. (laughs) It's like we're following a script. We're having our own Groundhog's Day. Anyway, back to the book. (laughs) Back to a story we probably told before. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Michael asked Catherine if she's a virgin, and I do not know why it was so important for people to know that at, like, this stage in life, because the boy that took my virginity asked me, and I said, and it's probably because he doesn't want that pressure to be the one taking someone's virginity, whatever, but he asked me, like, are you a virgin? I said, yeah, but before you say anything, I still want you to fuck me because I just want to get it over with. (laughs) And, like... How romantic. Yeah, I probably made him feel special. Now, it was our first time hanging out, so, like, he clearly... It wasn't a romance thing. If we were dating, and I said that, that would be rude, I think. And remember, this is the man that took my virginity in the car in my high school parking lot. Oh, who played Big Bird. Yes. Yeah, that's him. (laughs) We remember that story. Well, it's hard to forget. Of all the stories, I wish that's one that I could men in black myself, but alas. No, he was hot. Okay. So this high school relationship, as is tradition, progresses very quickly and soon dry humping and over the shirt rubbing becomes the new norm these two are truly unbearable they do things like they're doing the dishes and they start having a water fight they're like (sighs) giggling splashing i'm like who's gonna clean this up Mm -hmm. if i were her sister and i just cooked a full (laughs) spread little sister sister. this is like an 11 year old cooking a four course meal and then these two fuckers (laughs) are throwing bubbles around yeah they're awful and probably most unforgivable of all they're the type of couple that don't realize how insufferable they are like they think they're cute and they start Uh forcing their poor innocent best friends erica and Artie, to double date with them i think that Mm. making anybody spend time with them should be a federal (laughs) offense so when erica sees Artie absolutely slay the school play (laughs) she makes it her mission to slay him but is unsuccessful. So she finally takes matters into her own hands and asks Artie if he's queer, to which he says, 
just trying to figure it out. This was beautiful, I think, <laughs> because I never thought about it, but no one ever asked me if I was gay. They always just told me. So, like, oh. when you are told that, you just get defensive because whether it's gay or whether it's you're annoying or whether whatever, no one wants to be told something about themselves that they don't realize already. Yeah. I think if I would have had an Erica that asked me, are you queer? I would have done soul searching. I guess this is where I had to remind myself that I was reading a book meant for middle schoolers. Judy Bloom mm. did drop little Easter eggs, little clues throughout. And so I had put a little post-it note. I was so proud of myself. I was like, ooh, is Artie our gay-coded character? And then like three <laughs> pages later, Erica's like, yo, Artie, you gay? Like, oh, right. I am a 34-year-old woman reading a book intended for 12-year-olds. <laughs> Let's Thelma and Louise ourselves if we read a Nancy Drew book and can't solve it. If we're like shocked by the end, I'm like, M. Night Shyamalan, who? Nancy, how did you solve it? Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. So... While all of this is progressing and Artie is on his eat, pray, love journey of self-discovery, <laughs> Michael brings Catherine to his ex-girlfriend's party, calls her a bitch, and then fingers her. <laughs> Michael is like truly from start to finish. Every scene where he gets this poor girl alone is like just tricking her, bamboozling her, pressuring her. Like she makes it very clear over and over and over again that yeah. she's not quite ready to hit these next milestones. And he'll like go to like magic tricks where he's like, look over here and out of this hat. Oops, it's Ralph now in your face. Suck my dick, bitch. <laughs> but as he was doing all those things, he was corny. We cannot forget about that part. Right. Like there was no slickness to it. There was nothing sexy about it. It was just all like... Da, 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 touch my dick i was like oh my god this is gross yeah so Catherine's labia isn't the only thing opening up and experiencing new things so are both of their hearts <laughs> they begin sharing secrets like mm. how Catherine works with old people at the hospital because she thought her grandmother was an old hag and they share bathrooms when Catherine and michael go on a weekend ski trip with michael's older sister i forget how old and miserable I am until I observe teenagers <laughs> because as soon as they get to the cabin or whatever Michael gets out of the car and immediately starts a snowball fight yes. I cringed I hated it so much if I was there I would say no no <laughs> like there would be no humoring no this poor girl already has to duck and dodge his actual balls every time he's within a 10-mile radius of her. And now she has to worry about snowballs, too? No, thank you. No, thank you. So Catherine and Michael do share a bathroom, and I was expecting drama. Judy went out of her way to be like, they're sharing a bathroom. It's a Jack and Jill situation. They have the bedroom that's connected by the bathroom, which I guess was like that was their secret passageway to yeah. each other. But she also goes out of her way to be like, uh-oh, Catherine got her period. I was expecting Michael to witness the crime scene that is day two of your period or at least see like a bloody pad and faint or something. Yeah. But no, it just was like, oh, you guys are sharing a bathroom. Nothing came out of it. Nothing. Have I ever told you about when Dr. Bald and I first started dating and I dropped the world's biggest turd in his toilet? <laughs> Did you have to cut it in half with a knife? No. Okay. 
So then now I don't know it. <laughs> so when we first started dating, we were living in different cities. So I would always, because I'm a diva, make him come in town to visit me. So he would drive the two and a half hours. We would have our nice little weekend and he always stayed with me. It got to the point where it got awkward because I had yet to stay with him. And so the first time that I made my maiden voyage to his home, I was experiencing what I still sadly am afflicted with today travel belly. And it's an interesting <laughs> predicament I'm in because as an IBS girly, <laughs> I'm usually root tootin' right away. <laughs> when I travel, it gets lodged up there. And it was day two, it had been a while, and I go to take a quote unquote shower as a lady does mm. when you want to secretly drop a deuce in your new boyfriend's bathroom. And I produced what can only be described as a hoagie roll. Uh -huh. It was somehow as girthy as it was long. And there was no way that sucker <laughs> was getting down. And I panicked. I should have gotten a knife. I should have cut it up. I wish I had known you then. Instead, I tried to flush it and we had a clogging situation. But also mm. the hoagie remained. <laughs> this was also the issue. He had a weird bathroom situation where it was like the toilet and the shower were in one room, and then there was like an open area outside that had the sink. Oh. So it was like a nightclub where they want to shame people into washing your hands after you use the restroom. Yeah. The toilet was also broken, which I, spoiler alert, found out I did. The back <laughs> of it wasn't filling up with water. I started making excuses to like come out to the common room and I like got a little Dixie cup and I was like, oh, I'm just so thirsty and was like filling up the cup with sink water to try to pour in the back <sighs> of the toilet. And I did it like three or four times. I finally was like, okay, I think I got it down. The hoagie has submerged. It's gone. I come out. I'm laying in his bed. He gets up. He uses the bathroom. I'm holding my breath like, okay, this is the moment of truth. If he comes out and he's like, what does your butthole look like? How did you produce this? Then, you know, I haven't succeeded. He doesn't say anything. I take a deep breath. I'm so relieved. Five years later, <gasps> we are talking about something unrelated, but like tangentially related. And he's like, oh, like the time you broke my toilet when we first started dating. <laughs> I don't get embarrassed easily. I am still blushing right now telling the story. I started sobbing and I was like, I thought I fixed it. He said, no, we had to call a plumber. It took three days to fix <laughs> So I at least wanted Michael and Catherine to go through something similar, you know? Yeah. And, like, this is a teenage boy. So even if she didn't do it, she should have seen him do some gross stuff. Like, not flush. Or trying to, like, flush a sock that he's jacked off into yeah. or something. Something. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Now, we know that you've literally shit the bed with previous lovers, Donnie, <laughs> but do you have any embarrassing tales from when you and Quinn first started dating? Doesn't have to be poop related. I think I told this story already, but the first time that I did something stronger than weed with Quinn, Patreon, it was a little house party that me and my roommate were having, and he was talking to this girl. So clearly I wasn't even jealous in like a romantic way I was just jealous he wasn't giving me attention so then I climbed out my bedroom window and <laughs> and walked around the block and banged on the front door so that he would be the one that let me in and then I said you didn't even know I was gone so like 
it wasn't embarrassing in the moment, but in hindsight, I don't know how he continued dating. Were me. you on the first floor? <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. thank God. I imagined you being like Spider-Man scaling the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I also, this is not when we first started dating, but if you want to keep it in the poop thing. <laughs> you know I like to Winnie the Pooh around my house. And one time I was sitting on the couch, thought I had to fire, and I shat <laughs> on the couch instead. So then I got up, and I didn't want Quinn to see me with poop dripping out of my butt. So I moonwalked to the bathroom, and then <laughs> Quinn, Quinn looked down at the sofa and said, you better clean that shit up. <laughs> goodness uh, yeah Good heavens good times shit <laughs> happens am i right it does <laughs> so in a surprise to no one aunt flo can't stop michael's mojo and seeing Catherine in her sexiest colonial woman nightgown turns him <laughs> on so much that he says i love you for the first time in his life and Catherine mm. returns the favor she dry humps him to completion and is introduced <laughs> to ralph Michael's penis. I knew Michael was corny for a long time, but this really sealed the deal. This is when there was no turning back. Like, he is just disgusting. No imagination. That's objectively a terrible name for a Full dick. circle, I think Ralph is the name of that mouse on the motorcycle. Oh. <laughs> wow. So, as it turns out, it's love at first sight for Catherine and Ralph, or more likely, Michael's constant bitching, whining, pressuring, and moaning finally wore poor, exhausted <laughs> Catherine down. Because before we know it, Michael and Catherine are doing it. Well, sort of. <laughs> and this whole time, I think we are led to believe, or at least middle school me was led to believe that the golden retriever haired Michael is some sort of like experienced sex wizard. But as it turns out, before Catherine, he had only done the deed twice with one girl who gave him and Ralph the clap. <laughs> and it shows because Michael makes it exactly 10 seconds and then is like, hey, are you okay? Did you bleed? And Catherine delivers my favorite line of the entire book where she looks at her boyfriend dead in the face, the boyfriend that has just taken her virginity, popped her cherry, and she said, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> if this was a movie, we would get a montage set to like Eye of the Tiger of Michael like building up his stamina to last three total pumps during intercourse because truly like scene after scene after scene is just like pre-ejaculation, one pump, two pump, disappointment, destruction, regret. It's not good. No, I want to know why Judy Bloom wrote this book. <laughs> we know she hates Sybil. Does she like Michael? <laughs> I think she was trying to portray to her audience a more realistic view mm. of what will probably happen if you are a girl who intends to have sex with a boy and I do appreciate it to some degree but again it's like at what point are we making it so deeply unsexy that <laughs> maybe this is like secretly trying to get teenagers to stop having sex or something <laughs> yeah because I would not jump on anyone Certainly after reading not. this book well, not yet. Wait till the end. Oh, God. <laughs> so everyone in Catherine's life continues to question, rightfully so, how hot and heavy things are with her and Michael. But they also don't want her to end up like slutty-ass, big-boned Sybil, who is, surprise, pregnant, because <laughs> nothing ever good can happen to her. And she doesn't know who the father is. And nobody knew she was pregnant because she's so fat. <laughs> so Catherine's family does what any sensible people would do. Her mom leaves out, are you ready for sex articles? And her grandma sends her packages with Planned Parenthood 
propaganda. And in a scene right out of a conservative's worst nightmare, the indoctrination into safe sex and body autonomy works. Catherine heads to the Big Apple and gets on the pill. Maybe this is something that aged, like, borders or maybe I just don't know women's bodies because you could pay me right now I couldn't find your g-spot if you took out a Leah Michelle lamp spoiler alert (laughs) same goes for most straight men Michael what kind of birth control is foam this was the 70s jumping out okay. at you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like literally you would squirt foam up there. <gasps> like a little foam party for your puss. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think it would like kill sperm, like spermicide. And I could be completely wrong because, again, my sex education was reading this book and I was told celibacy or I'm going to make somebody's winky fall off. But I'm going to look it up because I thought foam like a Nerf gun bullet like foam like that I was like what are you supposed to do with that like a silver bullet like she's a vampire (laughs) hold on I'm googling foam birth control yeah that's better than foam sex because let me tell you I did not like the first result of that search foam (laughs) birth control Oh, they still sell it at Target and it's like a liquid they call them sponges now oh so it is Like a Nerf gun thing. It's made out of solid foam and contains spermicide. The contraceptive sponge has a nylon loop attached to the bottom for removal. Moisten the sponge with water and insert it into the vagina before sex. So we're both right. Yeah, so it's like one of those little toys that you would get from the grocery store that you would put into water and then it would like grow to be like a little dinosaur or something. But it's got spermicide. Cute. Okay. Because the lady at Planned Parenthood said, are you using birth control? And she said, we're using rubbers. And then she said, in addition to foam, Mm. when the birth control lady at Planned Parenthood was telling her about syphilis, and then the immediate chapter after, Michael and Catherine both got the flu, I thought he gave her some kind of STD, and I was giddy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, finally, something's going to happen in this book besides Michael pre-coming. Nope. Just the flu. Yeah. So while all that's going on, while the foam conversation is happening, while the pap smear is taking place, Erica is dedicating her time doing some sort of weird hippie conversion therapy on Artie. They've determined he's not gay. He's just impotent. And the way to cure him is by fucking, which does not work. And after Erica tries to break it off with him, Artie hangs himself, which also doesn't work. Shocking. The second half of this book (laughs) was jarring. Like, the first half is just leading up to Catherine losing her virginity, and once that happens, shit goes to hell. Her ex-boyfriend comes back from the dead. Artie tries to kill himself. Like, things really... Take a turn at the halfway point. Yeah, we're off to the races. And it truly is like exactly halfway through. Because I read one half in one day and then read the second half the next. And the whole first day was just leading up to Michael coming too early. <laughs> then, we got suicide. We got death. We got pregnancy, separation. Yeah. So on Catherine's birthday, she's gifted a bracelet with forever engraved. As well as the gift that just keeps on coming. Ralph, because Michael once again bamboozles her by asking her to put aftershave on his balls only to put his dick in her face. Like, I hate this dude. And I don't know what he was lying about, but he told her he's never done it. And then when she was going to do it, he was like, no, no, you can't do it there. It stinks. Right, a liar and 
a trickster. It was like a <laughs> jack in the box. Like, go away. Boing! There's Ralph again. With red pubes. I need everyone to imagine that. <laughs> so luckily, I hate this dude. And also Catherine's dad hates this dude. And he hates this Thank dude God. enough that he decides enough is enough and gets her a job in New Hampshire as a tennis instructor for the summer. <laughs> Catherine is devastated but resigns herself to go after finding out that Michael is going to be working in North Carolina. Everybody seems to have summer plans including Sybil, who has her baby just for the experience and gets an IUD. (laughs) How sweet. Reading this part did give me PTSD because she was 18, but still living under the roof. So it's that weird time in your life where like you should be able to do something, but you can't. And that is when I was forced to work at that luxury condo (laughs) in Philadelphia for three years when I had to clean air conditions and wear a jumpsuit. Plus, you know, I hate summer camp, which I was also forced to go to. So it was like all Mm. the things I was forced to do in my life together. Wow. I know. Sybil's got nothing on the horrors you've seen. (laughs) (laughs) And you've mentioned this, but this truly is where the pacing of this book gets bonkers. The train has left the station and we are just trucking down the hill now because That all happens, and then we read the letters that Catherine sends her friends, family, Michael, and through these letters, we learn that in a matter of weeks, she's gone from Faith Hill, how do I live without you, to ludicrous hoes in different area codes. Because the (laughs) death of her grandfather pushes her into the arms of a new lover, tennis instructor and college co-ed, Theo. I have a few things to say about this. First of all, I want to talk about the letters. Okay. Because one of the letters literally says this. Dear Michael, be careful with the saw. I don't want anything to happen to your hands. I love them. And the rest of you isn't bad either. Ha ha. Love forever. Kath. Let's say you get a letter on a Tuesday. You write yours overnight and mail it on Wednesday. And then it takes like two days to get there. That is four days. Opening that mail, because they're not calling on the phone Mm -hmm. to each other. So you have not heard from this person in four days. You open this letter and it's three sentences long. I would flip the fuck out. The worst one is Michael on his way to North Carolina in the airport. Oh. He writes to her and says something along the lines of like, I miss you madly. I'm headed to North Carolina. Oops, they're calling my airplane. Talk to you later. And it's like, you're not on the phone like, oh, I'm so sorry. I got to go. You are choosing to write a letter, not come back <laughs> to it, not even do like a, okay, I'm back. Now I'm on the plane. Yeah. You also are getting on a plane. What else are you doing? There's no Netflix. That's Finish very your fucking true. letter, Michael. And then maybe stop finishing so soon inside of her. <laughs> I agree. And I thought the point of this chapter was going to be like, the longer she goes without Michael, the shorter her letters go. But that's not even the case. Her letters are short right off the bat. I would have been livid. But I do want to talk about Theo. Theo, I would fuck. This is exactly how he's described. His eyes are light green. His hair is brown and hangs in his face. On the courts, he has to wear a headband to keep it away so he can see the ball. He's got a mustache that turns down around the corners of his mouth, and he's very tan, including his back and chest, because he hardly ever wears a shirt. This is when I texted you and said, there are 20 pages left in this book, and I hope she cheats on Michael (laughs) so bad. You were ready (laughs) to take a mustache ride on Theo's upper lip. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I was. The 
only thing I was worried about is because there was only 20 pages left, I knew we weren't going to get a graphic sex Yeah, scene. which is unfortunate because I think that Theo could at least last five pumps. He was in college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He got more than the clap. <laughs> <laughs> so when crazy stalker Michael flies unannounced from North Carolina to New Hampshire after yes. Catherine fails to answer two letters... Catherine breaks up with him. There are just so many glaring red flags wrong with this situation. And I know it's like young love and inexperience and obsession and lust, but like that is unhinged behavior. Like clearly there is a phone because earlier she learned that her grandfather died, which side note, so fucked up that her parents made her be the one to tell her little sister. Yes. Terrible parenting all the way Uh around. Really puts the letting her do whatever she wants in the den into perspective because I don't think uh-huh. there was a whole lot of parenting happening anywhere else no. in her life. True. But we know there's a phone. He doesn't try to do that. He doesn't try to like call her parents to make sure she's okay. He literally flies across the entire East Coast to surprise her and she breaks up with him. And then Michael shows his true colors, not wanting to be outdone and is like, oh, well, that's fine because I've humped everything in sight in North Carolina. Direct quote, I've humped everything in sight. <laughs> he is so corny. Good riddance, I wrote in all capitals. <laughs> I humped everything in sight. He is a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so she finishes out the summer, returns home smarter and wiser until... Ring-a-ling-a-ling, ring-a-ling-a-ling. Theo calls. The I got the chills. End. That's the last line of the book. I got full body chills when the mom says, Theo called. I was like, oh my God. He can call me something. Faggot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So final thoughts. If we were to bring this book to present day, cast it as a movie, Who would we cast or what would we want the plot of a sequel to be? So I just casted it as a movie and the ages are all over the place. So just imagine these people I'm going to say as their high school selves. Okay. So as Catherine, I picked the main girl from 13 Reasons Why. She's also the friend in Love, Simon. Catherine Langford is her name. Michael, I tried to think of the biggest weirdo I could think of. And Timothy Chalamet. (gasps) What? How dare you? I think Timothy Chalamet is. Oh, so Tom Hamlet already came for me because I said I never found Timothy Chalamet attractive until I saw him. Stop. Until I saw him in the Willy Wonka trailer. Him in that coat. I think it's so hot. Anyway. I am (laughs) just so concerned about you. And we know famously you and I do not have the same taste which Quinn lovingly told me can you stop saying that in front of me (laughs) that you never find the men that Donnie finds attractive attractive and I will say Quinn Uh, is an outlier but uh everything you just said makes me want to Ralph myself (laughs) but anywho as Erica I have Mila Kunis as Artie I have Rory Culkin oh that's a good one thank you as Sybil I have Beanie Feldstein I had her too As Theo, I have Jarell Jerome from When They See Us and Moonlight. As the mom, these are my two favorites. As the mom, I have Jennifer Garner. And as the grandmother, I have Susan Sarandon. Those are really good. Uh, Thank you. All right. You win this round, as you often do. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I had Jesse Eisenberg as my <gasps> That is good. I had Kristen okay. Stewart as Catherine. Also would accept that. I had Beanie as Sybil. Good choice. And then let's make Erica Leah Michelle. <laughs> Actually, here she is right now, our <laughs> guest. Leah Michelle, come on in. Read a passage. Silence, because she can't read. Okay. <laughs> and then final, final thoughts. What aged well and what aged like borders? <laughs> the jeans with mushrooms on them really <laughs> stuck out to me. And I guess now that you explained what the message of the book is, I think that aged well. Like, if you are young and have sex, it's probably not going to be good. He probably will come after 10 seconds. And you probably won't last forever. Yeah, I think all of that ages well. One thing that ages both well and like borders is that pressuring, that like slow Mm. burn of Michael just wearing her down to perhaps do things that she wasn't ready for. I do think Judy Bloom did a good job of like towing that very realistic line of she's both not ready, but also like is into it too. Like at no point is it not consensual, but there is that element of coercion a bit that sometimes occurs with teenage boys and teenage girls. I think one thing that ages just terribly is just the constant undercurrent of fat phobia. Sybil aside, which we have made mention of many, many times, there's this weird subplot of her mom worried about getting flabby and her dad Mm. telling her mom, like, you need to start hitting the gym. It's just a really strange, like, constant commentary on women's bodies, which again, I know is like part of womanhood and identity and figuring out who you are. But I don't know, just read a little bit like, yikes. Yeah, because it doesn't go anywhere. And then the 70s. So things like having a fondue party, things like having a den. No, I think that sounds great. We need to bring those back. (laughs) No cell phone in sight, no keeping tabs on Instagram during the summer. Just like a lot of things that really dated it. But for a very dated book, I think it's kind of timeless too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Now I know that two hours and 10 minutes is your cutoff, but I think it was a good first jumping off point for our introduction into literature. I agree. And it wasn't too long. It just cannot be longer. Okay. (laughs) This was the sweet spot. Okay. So with that, next week we will be covering a Goosebumps book, specifically... One day at Horrorland. So if you want to read along, most libraries have an app. But actually, did you know you can get a Kindle book on Amazon and use your computer to read? Yeah, or your phone. There's a Kindle app. Oh, yeah. Well, I need to start doing that. So anywho, that's what we're covering. I hope you cuties enjoyed this. Thank you for bearing with us with growing pains. And I guess if you have any reading tips for Donnie, please help us both out. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. Yeah, if there's any elementary school teachers, please let me know. But yeah, if you liked this or even if you didn't, thanks for bearing with us. Please rate us five stars. We're doing our fucking best here. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we will talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at RealDonnyWood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at OnoChels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love you like a sister. sister. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.